Louise McSherry on 2FM. Uh, now, I am joined by Aoife Moore, political correspondent from the Irish Examiner. Hello, Aoife. Good morning. How are you? How are you? Now, we were just saying, unfortunately... <laughs> It's not a very sunshiny news segment today, but we can but reflect what's going on in the world. Um, and I suppose, as always, we have to start with COVID-19. Yeah, so we're still on our downward trend. Uh, the cases last night were just That's over, good news. Yeah, just over 1,100. And we know, obviously, the Madeline, we thought maybe with the Delta variant, we could be up at like 3,000 at this stage. So still on our downward trend. And we're actually starting to see stuff roll back now. So as of Monday... 10,000 children who are in primary school will no longer have to isolate if they're a close contact. Mm. We know, obviously, the primary school age children don't, um, you know, have less risk of getting sick and carrying the virus. Um, there has been some pushback, obviously, from teaching unions and stuff. It's a bit confusing for teachers and stuff. Um, but basically, the government have taken a decision on Wednesday and said that they're going to relax COVID tests and tracing protocols for children aged 12 and under. And that, you know, that's around 1,200 children a day that are being sent home from school now because they're a close contact. That's not sustainable if we want kids at school. Like, that's not going to be yeah. able to continue. And basically, the HSE guidance has now said that principals and childcare managers do not need uh, to inform the HSE if there is close contacts uh, in their school and that the children don't need to have a COVID-19 test if they return to school as well. So we are actually starting to see rollback of like stuff that we could not have considered this time last year like yeah. could you imagine just telling people to come back to school yeah um when they were close contacts yeah and it all seems to be around symptoms so mm-hmm. like obviously if a child has symptoms then it's different yeah. but if they don't have symptoms that they're kind of mostly being allowed close to contact, yeah. l- live on normally yeah. and I suppose it's a very difficult decision and I saw lots of people tweeting you know a wide range of opinions about mm-hmm. this um over the course of the it's last week not just know. teachers yeah. parents as well and yeah. it's understandable um but uh, but but it's 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 emotional because you're talking about children and potentially children's safety. But at yeah. the same time, I also feel for they teachers. have to have an education. Yeah. It's so tough. I feel for teachers and childcare assistants yeah. and SNAs as well. Like it's hard to know what to do. And like the advice hasn't changed for parents. So obviously, if parents are close contact, they still need to isolate. It hasn't changed for adults. But um, but yeah, not if, if they're vaccinated. Not if they're vaccinated. Yeah, which most of us are. Yeah. So, so we it's, still get that ten percent who aren't, but that's yeah, it's small compared to the rest of Europe, the rest yeah. of the world, nearly. Yeah, so. it's wild. I I had to take both of my children for COVID tests over the course of the last week. Fun, um, and it was I'd say seventy percent kids oh, really? in both of the testing centres. Yeah. yeah, I've never had a COVID test. Have you not? No, I've oh never even been a close contact. I've had about twelve. <laughs> I've been a close contact once. Um, and some of them were for work stuff, but like, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're missing out, Aoife. It's a rite of passage. Um, you probably never have one now. Yeah, I know. Oh my God, have you even Not lived? Um, okay, all right. Um, now, let's talk, because there has been an issue um, around Irish uh, University University College Cork and masks. Yeah, this is really interesting, but basically UCC have told students that campus security can be brought to their lecture theatre and forcibly remove them if they refuse to wear a mask in their lecture. Basically, this is just to keep everybody safe. And they said it's kind of, they didn't say it's zero tolerance, but that kind of is what it sounds like to me. Mm. They sent an email to students and faculty during the week and basically said either you wear the mask or you have to leave. And if you don't leave, um, they'll just bring security and security will ask you to leave. Each uh, university 
has different, you know, they've been given a certain amount of leeway by the minister, Simon Harris. Like he has said, you know, because lecture theatres are different sizes in yeah. different places and, you know, a different amount of students. So they can kind of not do what they want, but, you know, they have enough leeway. Make their so, own rules. Yeah, yeah, so Trinity has a different um, way of doing it. But basically UCC is saying that you're wearing your mask and if you don't wear your mask, you need to have a lanyard to say, you know, that you, for whatever medical reason that you can't wear one. And it's basically just to keep everyone safe, now everyone's going back to uni. I think it's fair enough. I don't mm. think that lectures should also be tasked with arguing with students about whether they should or shouldn't be wearing their masks. No. This isn't really a time for a lecturer to be arguing about your civil liberties. <laughs> <laughs> No. Not that the security man has to do that either. Um, staying in the realm of uh, further education, um, there has been a lot of discussion about student accommodation this week. Yeah, so there was a huge protest um, outside Leinster House during the week. I would like to say fair play to them. There was a lot of students that turned up outside Leinster House. Their slogan was no keys, no degrees. And we are now seeing who would have thought it in a housing emergency when everyone went back to uni, there is nowhere for people to live. So I was listening to the radio last week, actually, and there was this student on, I think she was in Galway, and they were saying there was five people, five students staying in a hotel room together to cut the cost of the hotel room. Oh, my God. And they had classes say the Tuesday and Wednesday, so they stayed... Yeah, in this hotel room for two nights with five of them. It's like two girls and three boys staying in this uh, hotel room. And this is like, this is widespread across Dublin, Cork. It's happening everywhere. What we're actually seeing now is that private student accommodation that was built to be student accommodation is so expensive that the people who built it cannot turn a profit. And they are now asking the government, can they turn it into things like Airbnb or co-living? So it's like water, water everywhere and not a drop to exactly. drink. Exactly. So we're at the stage now where we have children and families in hotels and we have tourists in student accommodation. And students and in students hotels. students in hotels, yeah. <sighs> well, I mean, what is there to say about that? It says it all. Um, okay, uh, let's move on because this week, obviously, if you follow um, any political correspondent actually on Instagram, you know that they were all in New York. I'm so jealous. Uh, tell us why they were in New York and what happened in New York this yeah, week. Yeah, so they were in New York for the UN Security Council. The Taoiseach Michael Martin travelled there and he addressed um, the UN Security Council and he made really, really salient points. And one of the things that he called for was that we add the threat posed by climate change um, to be add, added to the routine agenda of the United Nations Security Council. And basically what that would mean is we need to factor in climate change and the consequences of climate change as a threat to our security and safety. I have, um, um, sorry to interrupt yeah. you, I actually have a clip of Michal Martin um, speaking about climate with the UN Security Council. First of all, I would not see this as an attempt to politi politicise the climate issue. I think we saw from the testimony of Ilwad Elman today and indeed others that I've met during the week uh, the obvious linkage now between uh, climate and security and the impact of people on the ground, the impact on our peacekeepers and the link to conflict um, and as a factor in conflict. Not the only factor, but as a factor um, in conflict. So climate change, it, it was accepted as a universal issue facing man humankind. There you go. There we are. So basically, um, you know, the United States said they thought it was a good idea, but Michal Martin ran into a bit of opposition from Russia, China and India. Mm. They've basically all expressed opposition. Uh, the Russian uh, ambassadors, uh, Russian representatives, sorry, said that too many cooks. Um, I don't know what relevance that has to climate change. I think the point Michal Martin is making is a really salient one. Anything that creates instability in 
any country um, then leads to further conflict. We know that the next, you know, the wars in the future are going to be over resources like water and yeah. food. Climate change is ruining people's lives. People are already feeling the effects of climate change. We are seeing fires, we are seeing floods, and it's happening in some of the most vulnerable countries in the world. Mm. Those countries are, are already unstable, mm. and anything that adds to that instability will then breed crime and whatever else that comes with it. So it is a threat to security. Yeah, interesting to see. We'll see how that continues. Um, now, I've already talked a good bit about Sabina Nessa this morning, um, but maybe you can update us on where things are with the investigation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so hundreds of people um, turned out last night for a vigil for Sabina Nessa. It was quite strange. I was watching a video and there was like hundreds of wom- women and men there at the vigil and you could still see police officers combing the hedges behind the vigil is very much still a live investigation. Uh, they arrested two men. Both men have since been released. They have now released CCTV images of a man that they want to speak to. Um, you can go online. I saw it on the BBC. Um, you can go online and look at it, but it's a very clear image. I feel like if you knew the man, you would know it was yeah. him. Um, there was a vigil last night, obviously. Um, you spoke about this already, but she was a 28-year-old primary school teacher walking home from the pub and it's created this like larger conversation um to be honest I'm quite sick of it just being a conversation mm-hmm. we could sit here and talk about Anna Creedgill and Nadine Lott and all the Irish women who've also been murdered by men and men's violence against women and like as you were saying earlier I think women can spot themselves open and talk about all the times that we've been followed home and we've been mugged but I could talk about being mugged to the cows come home, but that's not going to change anything until men change their behaviour. And I am also sick, sore and tired of sitting here talking about it and nothing happening. Mm. So, yeah, I think anyone who's reading and seeing the videos of um, Sabina's family, like your heart just absolutely breaks for them. So you would hope that with the CCTV, if it is the person or this person can offer any information, that something they can get some kind of clarity. And I don't even think closure is the right word, but... Yeah, yeah, I suppose it's something. I mean, it's something. Well, you can't ever make up for the loss of a person, especially under these circumstances. Um, now, uh, this is unfortunately the happiest story we have to discuss this morning. And it's about phone chargers. And I actually am very happy about this. I actually think this is such a good idea. Like, I can't believe that our happiest story is about phone chargers. But here we go. So the <laughs> the, you, the EU has said that they're going to announce or impose a universal charger for smartphones so that everyone with the same with smartphones, no matter what smartphone it is, will all have the same charger. So will you have an Android or an iPhone, whatever it is. Apple are obviously raging about this. Yeah, because that's that's already the case, basically, for all other phones. Yeah, exactly. Except like for iPhone. USB charger, yeah. So it's only iPhone that has a different charger. But basically, Apple are annoyed. They're saying that this will, like, stifle innovation. I would argue that how far away on the iPhones and mine still dies after 10 hours. <laughs> Could you sort that out first, please? Um, yeah, and basically said it'll lead to pollution. But the EU have said, nah, like, there's so much wastage. Like, think about how many chargers that you buy. Like, oh, you, it's crazy. They sell like generic ones now in like pennies and Tesco's and yeah. everything else. And there's nothing worse when you're in a pub and you're running around asking people, do you have a charger? But everyone has a different phone from you. Yeah. So basically they're trying to cut down on that. And they've just said, no, this will be an EU directive now because they think that European consumers have spent approximately 2.4 billion annually on chargers that they have bought separately from their phones. And the US uh, tech giants are always against making this argument. This is the man from the EU said. They're always against making this argument, but it's not against innovation. It's for European consumers. I think it's a good idea. Me too. And especially because I have an Apple laptop and the charger for that is a USB-C. 
So it would be the same charger for my mm. laptop as my phone. It all just makes yeah, sense. I have a MacBook and an iPhone and they don't have the same charger. Of course they don't. Of course they don't. So pointless. No, it, I, like it's crazy. I agree. Good for you, EU. <laughs> and do you know who'll miss out on this? Who? The Brits. <laughs> Isn't that awful? Luckily, people from Northern Ireland can still travel down and use different charges. TG. Okay, Aoife Moore, thank you so, so much. I so appreciate you. That's Aoife Moore of the Irish Examiner uh, with you. us this morning. Political correspondent, excuse me, from the Irish Examiner. Why weren't you in New York? Paul got Paul to go. Paul where got to go. Yeah. Shout out to Paul, my yeah. work husband. It'll be your turn next time. I went last time. I got to meet Trump. Trump Fair. To, oh, lucky. Trump's only quiet. <laughs> I forgot about that. Okay, coming up next, I've got brilliant Irish music for you from Elm. Stick around. Louise McSherry on 2FM.